Hey, this is Jeff. I am so excited to bring you this episode. Part one and part two are so great. I took so many notes myself. Also, I'm coming to LA in a few weeks. So if there's anyone's couch I can crash on or like a spare room or just kidding, I do not need that. I am good on lodging. I'm fully lodged, but I do have some shows lined up. They are on my website, jeffmcbride.com forward slash shows. Come on out and say hi. Also, if you're a comic and you want to give back in a way that doesn't cost you a dime, I'd love some help getting a few more spots. I land February 19th and I fly away on March 12th, so I could really use a hand filling out the rest of my show calendar a bit more. Hit me up on Facebook. I am the real Jeff McBride there, not the fake-ass imposter evil demon blood magic warlock Jeff McBride. Also hit me up on Instagram. That's at Jeff McBride comic. Also, a huge thanks to Mona. Oh my God, you're so amazing. Mona has been helping us with all kinds of stuff like research and show prep and logistics. And oh, it's just taken so much off my plate. And then, of course, Bobby Jean Missick, who has been editing. It's so great to have one other person at least out there who can listen to it and be like, Jeff, that is boring. Cut it. It's so helpful. All right, enjoy the show. Come on, let's talk about sex. This is Harrison Greenbaum. This is from his Conan set, and it was from 2018. I actually just found out that the world record for most times being hit by lightning and surviving is seven. Did you guys know that? <laughs> A dude was hit by and survived lightning seven times. His name was Roy Sullivan. He's born in Virginia, 1912. He was an American. Hell yeah. Because <laughs> we're like 36 in math and 24th in reading, but we are number one in personal lightning strikes. <laughs> USA, you Seven times. I did that joke in Australia. Some guy in the audience was like, in a row? <laughs> no. That's not a record. He wasn't just lying on the floor, just like lightning, lightning, lightning. <laughs> ow, ow, why? Record. <laughs> No, seven separate times over the course of a miserable, horrifically unlucky life. <laughs> Can you imagine? What a journey. What an emotional journey. Because I feel like the first time you get hit by lightning, you're probably just like surprised. Right? You get hit, you're just like, hey, was that lightning? Somebody's like, yeah, you're missing an eyebrow and you shit your pants. So, yes, <laughs> lightning. Second time you get hit, you're like, what are the odds? <laughs> but like the third or fourth time, though, you're just like, this is who I am! <laughs> I'm Lightning Roy! <laughs> Master of Lightning! <laughs> By the fifth time, anger. <laughs> Terror. Somebody goes to take a picture of you, the flash goes off, you think it's lightning, <laughs> you curl up in a corner. <laughs> you're like, not again, not again! <laughs> Why am I so bad at outside? <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I love that. But like the sixth or seventh time, like I think I have a superpower, but I have no idea how to use it. <laughs> how would you like me to help people? What would you like me to do? Just like hug a murderer and wait? <laughs> Just grab a hold of a murdery looking fella. He's like, what are you doing? You're like, shh, justice is coming. <laughs> wait for it. <laughs> times. He was hit by and survived lightning seven times, and at the age of 71, he killed himself. Yeah, I don't think he was depressed. I just think he wanted to show God that it's not that hard. <laughs> she was straight up to heaven, look God right in the face, be like, nailed it, first try. 
score seven one. That's a blowout. It's hmm. <laughs> a joke. Yeah. All right, all right. Yeah. Let's go through it. Yeah. By the way, that's somebody told me this, and I I think it's good. Which is, if you're ever worried that somebody stole your joke, mm. and you're you're worried like, did he steal it or did he? Like just come up with a similar like idea. Thinking. Just ask them the story of a joke. Cause like I can literally, as I'm listening to it, I can tell you how I earned each one of those lines and words. Yeah. And if somebody didn't write the joke, then their whole story is I heard somebody else do it. So there's no story. Yeah. So like, you know, somebody wrote a joke when they can go piece by piece through their joke and be yeah. like, this is how this line came about. And this is why I was inspired to do this thing. And I used to say this, but now I say this. And it's, it's a very simple test that will prevent you from driving yourself crazy. So a couple things before we dig into it, I yeah. want to comment on just like watching your style. So one of my favorite things you do here, I think it's just such great craft, is when you hit a word, it is so intentional. Lightning! Blowout! Like, it's like no one talks like that yeah. <laughs> in normal. You, I don't but, do that in normal. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. But in those moments, it's those like hitting those plosive sounds so hard, mm-hmm. so intentionally, it is so funny. Yeah. Uh, it really sells the bit. It's kind of like Regan or early Dane Cook. Gary Goldman has been tweeting out his like tips for writing. Yeah, yeah. I've seen and he those. started talking about, he said, like, you need to have hard consonants. I said, I don't know why that is. And so I like tweeted back and I was like, I think. Part of it is that this idea of when you're listening as opposed to reading, you have to parse. When you're listening to a language you don't know, the reason it sounds like it's going really fast is because you don't know where to parse it. So it just sounds like an endless stream of words. So you get exhausted immediately because you're like, where's the end of the sentence? If you're an English speaker and you're hearing English, it's easier to see where the periods are. Yeah. But we need to help the audience out when we go back to the processing speed by using chunks and using all of our tools, rhythm, pauses, dynamics, and those plosives. Because like blowout stops that sentence. Like lightning, lightning is harder. You have to hit that one even harder because lightning and Roy, Roy's a little bit better. So you have to be like light. You got to really dig into that and separate that out. So you can use those plosives to really sort of put sort of little fences around ideas so that it's easier for them to digest it. Quickly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So fencing in the the ideas. You also do something that I could just feel myself learning as I was watching it. When you're setting up a premise, you'll be like, premise, say it again. Next, like you go seven times, seven times. Yeah, right? I want them to know that number yeah. by heart. Right. I think you have to say it more than once. And But what's also going on there is you have a rule of three happening here. You establish a short rhythmic pattern where it's like it's like seven times, seven times. It's American. Hell yeah. Like and then you have you you're off that topic and you're on to the next yeah. one. Oh, yeah. And 36th and 24th are the most current data that I could find. Those are the actual numbers. Oh, okay. When you're talking about is it true? Uh-huh. We are 36 in math and 24th in reading, according to the PISA, which is like the international ranking. Yeah. It's a little out of date because we haven't done one recently. Uh-huh. But like making sure those numbers are correct. Yeah. Uh, yes. Otherwise, some you'll get those people who like it knocks them out and they're just like, they're like, but wait, it's not. It's not even that. It's just for me to be like, what's the point of me saying a not true thing on stage? Mm. If I'm going to say a fact and you're going to hear it, yeah. why, not, why wouldn't I put the real fact in your head? Yes. So, okay. So the, I just wanted to uh, touch on yeah, those, yeah, two, yeah. those two elements of craft. So let's walk through this bit. Yeah. So the evolution of the bit, it's really an interesting bit to me in that it started one way. So I, I brought my old joke notebook to show you sort of like what, this is an entry from 1-19-2016. And I've literally written one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Because th- at that point, so the, the first journey of the joke was discovering its structure. The beginning of the journey of every joke is, is this even a funny idea? Are people going to be inherently fascinated and find funny as I do that a guy's been hit seven times? This is ludicrous. So it made me laugh to think of this. 
what must be going through that guy's head on by lightning strike five? Yeah. That's the funny thing that I, like when I read that fact, I was like, what happens by five? Are you like, what the fuck? Like, this is not fair. <laughs> this should not ever happen. So I go on stage and I'm just riffing around that idea and it's getting laughs. It's not killing, but it's getting enough laughs that I realize, okay, I'm not the only one in the world who feels this way. The audience gets that. That's the first step for you. You're going to take the idea on stage and test the idea. Does it resonate? Does the idea even resonate? Got it. Because otherwise, why am I going to spend the two, three years? Because this this entry on 116 is already like a year into the process. So like, am I going to spend three years on a joke that doesn't resonate? That seems like a bad idea. Mm-hmm. So I start to figure out all of the angles, that like Rubik's Cube thing of like spinning it around in your head. What are all the ways I can approach this? And there's about two or three different approaches in the final product. So how do you, wait, how do you go about that specifically? You do every single possible approach on stage and see which ones hit the hardest. For you, are you you're still just taking it on stage or are you sitting down and writing it out? Or what is, what is your process? I'm, it's a combination of writing and talking. So as I'm talking, I'll come up with an idea. And if I say it in the right way where I'm like, wow, that was the best way I've ever said it, then I transcribe it and really look at it. And uh-huh. at a certain point in the joke, because I gave up on Lightning Roy, it wasn't killing the way I needed it to. And so I kind of gave Much up on like it. Much like lightning itself. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't doing it the way I wanted to. So I put it away. And then I, I remember being on stage and just realizing that the idea wasn't just to go to the fifth one. It wasn't just jumping ahead to five and six. Because that's what was so funny was by the fifth or sixth time being like, wow, like I would be really upset. And like it would be ludicrous. But it's actually the journey. So I started saying the first time and the second time. And I realized, oh, shit, this is a really good structure. I have a structure now. It's every lightning hit. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I can come up with a punchline for each one. And so now I have homework. Now I have really good homework. I can actually go home and come up with three or four jokes for every lightning strike. Mm-hmm. And then over time, you start to realize seven's a lot. And I can start to combine a few and really pick the strongest ones. So the first time, got to be it's on its own. Then the second time, then I start to combine them. The third and fourth time is that big buildup. This is who I am, Lightning Roy. Which is funny because as I was going through the, the joke notebooks today, in my set list, it, the joke used to be called Roy Sullivan. And then when I finally said, uh, I am Lightning Roy, this is who I am, mm-hmm. the joke starts to be called Lightning Roy. Mm-hmm. So he was never Lightning Roy in my notes until I hit that punchline. And now all of a sudden the joke, I thought I always called it Lightning Roy. It wasn't until that punchline came out. And I could That's see that in my cool. notebook. Uh, and it, literally in the beginning, it was literally just, I had a couple of weird like facts from the Guinness Book of World Records. So it was hidden amongst other facts. So it was mm-hmm. like Roy Sullivan did this and this other person did this. So all of a sudden, it was just listed as Roy Sullivan and then all of a sudden he becomes Lightning Roy. Cool. So three and four get combined because that's a much more, that's too powerful to just be one almost. By the fifth time, and that came from, uh, actually Gad had been listening to me to do the Lightning joke and he wanted me to do something with the iPhone flash. Yeah, recontextualizing the flash from a camera into... A lightning flash. And it needs the false alarm. If you're looking at every side of it, one of the things would be, what about the false alarm? So that Mm -hmm. phone gives you that opportunity to Uh. go there and then bat it outside. As soon as I said that the first time, I was like, but, and I, the first time I said it, it was in a mess, a thicket of other words. I, you know, you listen to it, you write it out and you go, those are, that's all I need is that it just has so much meaning in such a little space. Cause that, that came actually batted outside was not at the fifth point. It was at the very beginning of like, I'm not, I should just stay inside. That's right. how it starts off is right. I should just stay in, I, I should just stay inside. I am bad at outside. And when you cut the beginning of it, I'm good at inside uh-huh. and you just get 
I am bad at outside as a surprise, it's it totally changes how it, it becomes third level because you take out the second step. Exactly. It goes right. from second level to third level uh-huh. because now it's a total surprise. There's no there's no oh, hint that that's coming. That's interesting. So you can make something a third level idea that is only a second level idea by removing a step in between the first and, uh, yeah. and third idea. As long as you don't, when we're talking about that compression, as long as you don't break it. And that's sometimes the difference between a good joke and a great joke, a joke worth keeping and a joke that's not, is if it breaks in order to get from the second level to the third level, then maybe it's just not a joke that will ever reach that point. And you have to decide whether you want to have those second level jokes in your act or not. And that becomes a decision where this joke might never go beyond the second level, so I have to let it go. Uh, And then the sixth and seventh is combined. By the sixth or seventh time, you know, he loses it. And the joke used to be rapist, not murderer. Mm. Hug him, rapist. But it's too much of a trigger word. It's a trigger word, but in the initial impetus was, what's the biggest, who don't you want to hug and get close to? Is a rape, like, hug yeah. feels like romantic, and rape is the opposite. Yeah. So it felt very good contrast-wise to have hugging and rape. Uh-huh. Turns out murder is just as bad. You don't want to hug a murderer either. No. And so- I, I was like doing, a really good hugger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like doing clean shows. I was, because I like to do a variety of shows. Because if a joke doesn't work in like- different crowds yeah. it only works in one kind of situation i don't want to keep it so i do i would do shows where it's like corporate or shows that were clean or earlier shows and so i was like rape is a tough word to say in a corporate show or a clean show or even an early show let me say murderer and because i was also getting ready for america's Got town i'm like i'm not gonna, they're not gonna let me say rapist and then all of a sudden i realized murder is better because it doesn't have that baggage and all of a sudden the processing time goes low because they don't get on a tangent in their brain of like rape oh god like their brain stops it stops them from thinking about the joke for a second. It's too strong a word for no reason. Mm. So now murderer goes in there. That makes it stronger. And then the end of that joke took freaking forever. I never, like, that's the funny thing about that joke is I'm going down the tracks. I'm like, I love every part of this. And <laughs> I don't know where it goes. Mm-hmm. What's the end? And finally, it, it was just research. Because initially, there's some, bad, there's some bad articles that are not factual. Because if you do, you, if you dig far enough, you can get all the real story of Roy Sullivan. Yeah, there was this like, uh, what would you call it? Like a colloquial story, just like the urban myth that he killed himself because he said "I love you" to a girl, and the girl didn't love him back, and so he killed himself. That's like an urban myth. He was married when he died. He was married three times. His last wife, he was like fifty something, and she was in her like teens, and oh they had three goodness. kids. Oh my god! <laughs> like he banged him out. Um, huh. Crazy. That's, that's interesting because like. He's like, what are the chances of me falling in love three times? I mean, the, the, I mean, what are well, the it's chan- like what, a lightning yeah. striking seven oh, yeah. times. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first couple of wives are like, if I stay with you, I'm gonna get hit by lightning because like <laughs> there were times where he didn't get hit, but she almost got hit. Like, you don't live with a human lightning rod. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and though there are jokes where like those could be funny lines, but sort of a joke only ha- can bear only so many tags, I think, before it collapses on itself. So there are some ideas where like this is very funny, but it's too much. So, like there was a whole thing about like he goes on a crime spree because what's the worst they can do to him? Put him in the electric chair. He's going to survive it. And so there was a whole tangent in in one of the drafts of the joke where he's like, I'm just going to murder everybody. So it's the opposite of what it is now where he's going to murder everybody because what are you going to do? Electric chair. I'll take it. So then it reversed itself. And then finally hitting the point where I realized it's like he found, he killed himself on the first go and God's been trying to murder him his whole life. That's the funny contrast. We're talking about the three C's. That's the contrast that's worth playing. That puts a boom, like a, Boop, like we've done it. I'd love to hear you analyze this in terms of subjective versus objective realities. 
Yeah, well, it's it's really about exploring this guy's sense of the world because his subjective reality is very different than all of us, where we're like, lightning is a rare occurrence. We believe that to be an objective <laughs> fact that lightning doesn't strike the same place twice, which is also a tag that I try to get into like, they say lightning doesn't strike the same place twice, but it did. And that place is my face, <laughs> um, which is literally noted here. It says place is my face. <laughs> and so like, that's really the battle there. I think is just like, this guy's reality is very different from ours. Yeah. And so his sense of what objective reality is, is very different. And so we're just living in this life of like where lightning strikes all the time, <laughs> like literally. Yeah. So it's such an interesting thing to be in that guy's head. And so he's fun to be on that journey with. And this one even has for the fifth time, he used to get angry that they called him lightning Roy. So third or fourth, it used to not be celebratory. They called him lightning Roy and he's proud by lightning strike three, uh-huh. but by five, he's annoyed that that's his thing. Like, you don't, <laughs> why are you defining me by the worst thing in my life? I don't call you car crash, Tim. Oh, that's <laughs> And that tag used to be there in the joke too. So yeah, it's so yeah. funny how they're all like, I think funny tags, but I think a joke can only sometimes bear a certain amount of tags. It comes yeah. like, as we were talking about before, there's like a saturation point. Like, it's like a paper towel, like those commercials where like it can only hold so much weight before uh-huh. it like rips apart. Yes, yeah. yes. And that's an interesting concept. It's like, what is the sweet spot for this particular idea, this joke? And some guys get away with more like Gaffigan's whole model is to like talk about one topic forever. Yeah. And it's almost, but that I think the whole, some of the source of humor is, Oh my God, he's still talking about and it. And he's also got that subconscious voice thing he does. Yes. Like, I think I've seen him do that a lot where he's like, why is he still talking about it? Like, the, he does the audience. Yeah, being and that, like, that earns him more weight. Up. That yes. earns him it's like so three funny. more tags. If I was a young comic and I just started out at stand up, if you could say one thing and one thing only that you think would sum up your feelings on an approach to making great stand up, what would you tell me? So you can only really tell me one thing. You can't get into like heavy details, just like kind of like sum it up like a paragraph or less. I, I would just say that the the secret to comedy. Okay. I talk about this in my lecture. I call That's it the I literally call it the secret algorithm of comedy. <laughs> is you get on stage, you do the joke, you take in the data honestly, and then you apply that data to the joke and you repeat that cycle until every joke murders. And that is all that is all you have to do. Yeah. I mean, it sounds really easy, but that's the hardest thing in the universe. No, I, I love that. <laughs> it's like chess where like, it's very easy to learn the rules, but like so hard to master. Yeah. Those are the rules of comedy. That's it. I just gave you the whole, that's all the rules of comedy. I love that. We had Usama Siddiqui on earlier, like very early episode, and he was talking about like the thing that comics have the most trouble workshopping is the parts of their act or their self on stage that are their, uh, that suck, that suck, like where, like that they have to lean into what sucks about them and really look at it inspect it and figure out a way to help it or stop them from falling into these traps. And that's more about what your jokes are about. The, the idea of the data is just like, go on stage with your jokes. Mm-hmm. And if the, if it, every single joke is not murdering, yes, like to like whoever your favorite comic is, if you're not getting that level of laughter, yeah, then use the data. The audience give, is giving you to either edit that joke, change the joke or delete that joke. Yeah. And if you just keep running your jokes through that cycle over and over and over again, it's like polishing a stone you know, eventually you get this like beautiful thing and that can work on any part of your character. Like you see these characters where if you, if you go back in time, like you take who they are now as a comic and then you watch a really old video, you see where the beginnings of that is. We saw that. Lewis Glack didn't start screaming like the way he did. We saw that in you. Yeah. We saw that in you. So we went back and looked at some of your other stuff. Like there's a Friars Roast video on there. Oh yeah. And one of the things that we both commented on was how now there is so much joy 
in what you're doing on stage. It is it is radiating out of your eyes. You it's it's in your body language. It's just it's so present. And in your earlier stuff, it seeps through. It po- pokes through, but it's not always there. Because right, I'm nervous and I don't yeah, I'm you, unsure. Yes. Yeah. When you have a joke like Lightning Roy that you've spent years on and you're like I'm pretty sure this thing is now as bulletproof as it's ever going to get. There's a joy to being like, let me just give you this thing. Like, I, I know you're going to like it. I want to give it to you. Giving a good gift. You know when you're like, I nailed this gift? Oh, yeah. Like, they're going to love this gift. Yeah. There's a difference between they're going to open this up and they're going to, like, g- lose their mind. This is the best gift. Uh-huh. As opposed to, like, I don't know if they're going to like this bottle of wine. That this, you know, like, yeah. be, be that guy who, like, knows that gift, knocks it out of the park. Yes. That was the question. I wanted to know what was your mental process for that? Like, what is it for you? And you just answered it. Yeah. Which is you have the perfectly polished stone as far as you're concerned and you're ready to give it to them as, as a gift. As opposed to, by the way, I think the other way that people can go is they've done it so much and polished that stone so much that then they're sick of that fucking stone. Uh. But you start losing the tags. When you start losing good tags and like the joke keeps getting shorter and shorter and shorter, like you realize it starts to whittle away to nothing. That's a bad sign. You're definitely getting bored of that joke. Come on. Let's talk about sex. You are talking with Trump supporters in the audience. I love that clip. It's wonderful. And the way that you... Uh, can, can we can we just play it? Yeah. Okay. All right. I call it... It's like bull riding. I think that's the closest analogy to what... Bull riding? I'm like I riding... I'm that. trying to like ride the bull and not get kicked off. Yeah. That's very so cool. I'm giving, I'm taking, I'm giving, I'm taking. All right. It's, it's titled Comedian Takes on Trump Supporters in New Jersey. I thought I, could ha- I got a shot at it going back. I was like, that was where that was coming from. Uh, yeah. This will be my moment. <laughs> it was, it was, it's very, it's, it's delightful. Here it is. This is, by the way, midway through a set. So some people thought this was my whole set. Mm-hmm. But it's a 20-minute set for about 1,000 people. The first 10 minutes are not political. And then the first joke I do that's political is a third level where you're like, it does not look like it's going to be a Donald Trump joke at all. Because right, we're in Australia right, in the right. 60s. Oh, okay, okay. okay. So it, it blindsides that audience. Yeah. And I know it. And, and I, that's where the bull starts kicking. I just got back from Australia. Anybody been to Australia? Oh, they're super on my side at this point. Yes. It's a fun place. I recommend people go. I think it's a wonderful, diverse group of white people. And... <laughs> crazy country. They're as far away as you can get. They're a little crazy, right? Like in the 60s, I didn't know this until I got there. One of the Australians told me. They had a prime minister named Harold Talt, and he went swimming 1967. He never came back. They just voted for a new one. And then they named the National Swim Center after him. Guy who drowned. Swim Center. Could have been a statue like, no, every pool. That's mind-blowing, right? Like, where was his security team? And can we hire them for our guy? Uh. <laughs> also, clock the rhythm of that. If It's a huge laugh because it's such a surprise that even the people who like Trump it involuntarily have to laugh because it yes. comes out of nowhere. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then once their brain processes what I'm saying, uh, yep. where yep. I'm like, I hope he yep. disappears, yep. that's then, when it kicks in. And to be clear, too, I, I think there's a distinction between, like, I always feel like if you're going to do a joke about something, like if you're going to do a joke about blind people, if you don't have the balls to do that joke when there are blind people in the audience, then you don't get to do that joke. Exactly. So it's not me trying to, like, poke the bear and be like, let me see how f- upset I can make people. But yeah. I was like, if I can't do this joke in front of an audience I know supports Trump, then I don't deserve to do it in front of an audience that doesn't support Trump. Totally. Great. Can we hire them for our guy? Oh, laugh. Whole crowd. There it is. There. And then we never heard from him again. Still laughing. Now we're 
starting to realize that this is turning oh, political. Damn. All right, Jersey. Yeah. Jersey, you've made your point. Uh, <laughs> I get it. This audience is mostly white. I, <laughs> that is really weird. For people who call us snowflakes, they're very sensitive. Uh, I, I it was a joke. <laughs> he hasn't had all the best plans. He wants to arm teachers. Really? All the teachers? Even the substitute teachers? Can we at least agree, all of us here, that they shouldn't get the guns? <laughs> substitute teachers. They should get substitute guns. You've all had substitute teachers. They can't even operate a goddamn VCR. You want to give them artillery? Artillery! <laughs> and that's talking about the true, where it's like, that's one of those things where you're like, even if you agree with Trump, you're like, oh, yeah. Like, that's, yeah. I want my political jokes to live there, where you're like, Oh fuck yeah! Even though yeah, he's yeah. right, like, I, how do you argue with that yeah, fact? Right. Yeah, right. It's a tough one to justify. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they're trying. They're trying but hard. You were clearly ready for this. It seemed. Yeah. Like. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I, this is my fourth show of four. Okay. At this place, so yeah. I know exactly where the room is. Uh huh. And it's and that also gave me confidence. The next joke is going to be the Obama joke, right. and I know that as soon as I say Obama, they're going to be negative. Right. And I have the confidence in that joke and in the way in the way that joke is structured yeah. that I'm like, just let me get to the punchline, and you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah baby like snow. <laughs> I'm just going to just make them all angry. Yeah. Back to your gift analogy, it's sort of like, yeah, you hate the rapper, you hate how this is wrapped, but wait till you see what's inside. Yeah, it's like yeah. buying somebody a shirt in their size, and you're like, I'm not fat. Then they put it on, you're like, wow, that fits really well. Uh, <laughs> well I, guess, I guess you did nail it, my bad. I thought you were making fun of me. I like how you just, you rolled with it, you ate it. You were just like, okay, you've made your point. There are other comics who've done similar situations where it goes really bad. It just goes down. You'll hear like, I don't, know, I don't think you're going to play the whole nine minutes. But by the end, they're like way back on my yes, side. Yes, yes. It's that give and that take. I'm going to take a couple shots at your guy, but then I'm going to give you like, we're really talking about substitute teachers. I'm going to mention Obama. You don't like him, but I'm going to make fun of him. That's on your side. Yeah. So it's about that, like that building that trust, even in those really hard situations where like, okay, there's always going to be like three assholes who are like, you can't say anything negative about Trump or anything good about Obama because I shut down entirely. Right. And it's like, well, well, there's all these other people. Those are unwinnable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those are unwinnable. And I don't care about that. It's yeah. a good bathroom break yeah. time. Good, Why don't you do that? That's, well, that's great. That's, that also speaks to, so like Mike Bent had a little bit of a theory and uh, I've taken it and kind of run with it. So he always said, you don't want hundred percent of people to like you. You want like, I think he had 99% and 1%, like 99% people love you and 1% hate you. And you're like 50, 50. Yeah. <laughs> but my joke is that you don't want to be vanilla pudding. Vanilla pudding, nobody's against vanilla pudding, but nobody yeah. loves it. Everybody kind of likes it. I'd rather be sushi where most people love it, yeah. but the people who don't like sushi really do not like sushi. Fucking they hate, hate sushi. <laughs> they rail against it. So you got to be sushi. And so like in order to do that, you have to have a situation like this where like there's going to be out of a thousand people, at least 10 people who really were not happy with what I did. Yeah. But that buys me the other 990 people who are like, I fucking saw something fantastic and, and dangerous and interesting. Yeah. That's way better for me and for the art and for all of that stuff. And in terms of giving gifts, that's a much better gift, I think, than just trying to dumb it down and not talk about what's going on and being really vanilla pudding. Yeah. It yeah. was it was raw and smelled slightly like fish. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's listen to the rest of this little chunk. It's crazy clear. I miss Obama, and I don't care what side of the aisle. No, we don't need to vote on it. Because that's that's the most fascinating reaction is I haven't even made a joke about what him yet. What percentage of the audience is that? 
that are anti-Obama. That are just booing, would you say? Could you get a read on, is it 50-50? No, it's a very small minority, but okay, very loud, just like as it, as it is in the rest of the yeah, world. Okay. Just takes one asshole. It's like, yeah. uh, it's a hundred people at most out of a thousand. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Everyone, that's why you hear these big cheers, which is them trying to silence the booths. They're like, you guys are the outliers here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they weren't the outliers, then I might've tried a different tactic. Like if 900 people are booing, you're probably not going to win them back. Like you fucked up. Yeah, yeah. It was very clear. I, I knew where my audience was. Cool. I knew that, that I could shut them down. No, we don't need to vote on it. Calm down. I gotcha. Sorry? Okay, calm down. You don't have sleeves. I... <laughs> Let me finish my thought. Which, by the way, is useful both as a joke, but also because the rest of the audience can't see him. Context. So all they they can hear him say, "Get off of politics," because everyone else is dressed pretty nicely. Yeah. That he's this like piece of shit and like ripped and, off sleeves. Yeah, it undervalues yeah. him. It immediately cuts his legs out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. the audience is like, "Oh wait, why would we take his word over <laughs> anybody?" So that was me just being like trying to be very laser focused and be like, "I'm going to take you out in one second. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a great. That's great. Yeah, I like okay. that. I don't care if you voted for him or not. I think it was just exciting for our country that we had a black president. That was exciting. Our first black president. And technically, he wasn't. He was our first half black president, but we had it for two terms. So technically, we have a Full black <laughs> <laughs> and that is the the applause of relief. Yes, yes. Where half the side is like, I, I never had any problem with Obama, so yeah. good joke. And the other side is like, oh, we're assholes. Uh, yeah. We're idiots. Uh, yeah. And that's why that joke was so important to do of like, shut the fuck up and let me finish. Yeah. And then from that point forward, they do because they mm -hmm. realize, oh, we we rushed to judgment and we fucked up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the contrast, too, between the tension of, oh, shit, we're going to be talking about Obama to this is just a dumb it's a math joke. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> that contrast is so great. It like resets the palette so well. Awesome. Come on. Let's talk about sex. Is there anything that comedians could learn from magicians? There's a bunch. I mean, I think magicians are really good students of history. Um, and they really know that, you know, they really are obsessed with learning and that's always really good. And that's what this podcast is a perfect example of wigs. Comedians are in a, a sense, essence doing what magicians do, which is like really dissecting and learning technique. Um, but also they do an act for like 30 years. They so have a magician who developed their act. It's really, really good. And that's their career is doing that act literally forever until they die. And it's all from stuff they bought in a store. And they, Something, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it's usually like that they had that in their 20s when they were really creative and like trying to buck the trends. They developed this thing. And it's like a musician where you have like your free bird and you mm -hmm. play free bird. Like Aerosmith has certain songs that or Billy Joel, any of those guys, yeah. certain songs they have to play till they die. Yeah. Billy Joel will <laughs> people always want to hear him play piano man, and he's he's gotta keep playing it. He can't be like, I am done with this song, because people will lose their minds. Yeah. So, you know, in talking to them and being like, Well, I have to hold on to a bit maybe for three years. But even then, like if you can hold on, if you can keep it interesting after 30 years, I can learn from you. What do you do to keep it fresh? And the the common answer from is these magic. It's magic. They go, magic. <laughs> and then they throw a smoke bomb, they disappear. They're like, ah, got me again. Glitter. So they, they, they say that they actually look into the audience. There's two things. But one is looking into the audience and watching the trick through their eyes and realizing that it is brand new to them. And so you allow the audience to do all the hard work for you. And I really live by that. Like, yes, I've done the lightning roy joke a million times, but for many people, it's the first time they've ever heard it. And so allowing myself to feel that and not be like, oh God, mm. they, you don't, you feel like a fraud if you think they've heard the joke before. 
Like, oh God, they know, but they, it's a new experience for them and taking the joy that they get from experiencing something new and letting that be your joy. So that's the sort of nice version. And then the other thing too, is just coming up with little things that make it new to you. Just even a little tiny thing. Like you change a little bit there and a little bit there. The cucumber line, the slice thing, like unsliced Mm -hmm. came because even though the joke sort of reached a place where it was pretty stable, I still have to play with it a little bit. So I'm not bored right, with it. Right. So maybe it's, you, you know, it could be even so much because you're so used to it. Even a microscopic change feels macroscopic, like feels huge. It's like a little pebble in your shoe. It feels so big to you, but doesn't change much to everybody else. So that also keeps you interested in it is to be like, okay, I'm going to do it as my opener, or I'm going to do it with this extra line, or I'm going to do it from out of a different joke and just playing with it so that you're not bored of it. Mm-hmm. And so it's so adding in variety for yourself exactly. with, just with tiny variations. Even just moving it in your set, like sometimes, yeah, th- that joke is always linked to another joke. And so unlink it. Let's play your Tetris bit. This is also from Conan, 2018. You're 71. I'm 31. Anybody here in their 30s? A couple people willing to admit that in Hollywood. Good for you. It's weird. I remember as a kid playing Tetris. That was the only video game Russia ever released. That's an amazing thing, right? considering they were competing with Japan and they were coming out with video games like every two seconds, right? They were amazing. Even in the 80s, they're like, America, check this out. Uh, Italian plumber goes to a kingdom, eats mushrooms, crushes turtles, gets in a dinosaur, saves the princess, defeats a dragon. And the Russians were like, blocks. <laughs> Organized blocks. <laughs> Is that the whole game? No, no, if you do a good job, we take away the blocks. <laughs> you beat this game it's like life in russia you lose or you die these are the options (laughs) game goes on forever till you give up and kill yourself (laughs) this is life in russia you're welcome i love 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 and that joke initially was a political joke donald trump was just getting in trouble with the russians and i was like why would we vote for the guy who thinks the russians are the good guys why would you ever make a deal with the russians was the the initial impetus why would you ever make a deal with the Russians? They've never offered us anything good. The only things they've ever given us were like, what? Vodka, the worst alcohol, <laughs> uh, and Tetris, the worst video game. <laughs> so it. that was initially the thing. And then yeah. it just became... And then I just was like, cut it all out. Yeah, just, who cares? Compression, compression, compression. Uh-huh. Yeah. That just became Tetris, huh? Looks. Yeah. Tetris, then you get the resonance of nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's funny because I think people took that game for granted because that was the game that came with the Game Boy. And it's just about showing how Russian this goddamn game was. Yeah, and how ludicrous it is. I think it is nice to have it in that context of like, this is why you don't partner with the Russians because their version of a video game is fucking Tetris. Yeah. Well, there, there's a lot going on here. I love this because it, it so clearly demonstrates a lot of different things. First of all, you have this recognition of the cultural beliefs and practices of Japan versus Russia, yeah. right? So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's sort a of, good contrast. Uh, yeah, it's it's such a great contrast to be like, these people do it this way, these people do it this way. Isn't right. it funny? Because if you just do Russia, yeah. I, which I did, part uh-huh. of that thing of like overcutting, mm-hmm. yeah. it's like, do I need the Japan part? Can I just talk about Russia? Nope, you need the Japan part. And you have contrast between the way that you describe it. It's so yeah. detailed of like your description and your and your energy that the you enthusiasm put in- for what the game will entail the and Mario. then the like yeah. hard hitting reality of how boring it is. So it's yeah. like, what if I win? It's like we take away your blocks. Like they're just right. It's well, like, it's like how it's, okay. it's trying to be like this is the only video game you ever played that is not a 
what, why do we let this happen? Yeah. yeah. Like Mario is this entire universe and it's mm-hmm. bright and happy and there's a million levels and there's all these things happening and yeah. there's plumbers and dragons and whatever. It. Yeah. Yeah. Tetris is just blocks falling at forever till you die. Yeah. Seriously. There's yeah. no winner. The contrast between the way you describe Mario and the way you describe Tetris is so great because you, you go through this whole story and then with blocks yeah with a hard (laughs) blocks it's so it's 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 a plosive word so it's got that going for it blocks is a funny word anyway i think and also just it's just one it's very utilitarian too like blocks like (laughs) there's this boring thing Uh, (laughs) they're not building blocks they're not like toy blocks they're just blocks (laughs) yeah most generic description yeah you're hopping back and forth between us as a society or you i guess asking the questions and then the russian program it's like what's worse than blocks and then the next statement is organizing blocks <laughs> why would you even organize these nondescript things what is the this is the worst idea yeah. <laughs> the worst pitch and then and then what is what is the reward they t- we take away the blocks yeah we take what why are we organizing them we were just gonna get a limit you were just gonna take them away it's just adding to the sense of just existential dread and there is no winning what is the point and then you can't even win it <laughs> and so like that's where some of the tags got lost because that's the story it's just building boom 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 there was a whole thing about that line block, you know, the four where it's a line. Uh-huh. You're yeah. like, oh, uh, are there all different shapes? Oh, yes. One is just four in a row. Very useful. Oh, so it comes up a lot? No, almost never. <laughs> <laughs> and like for people who really play Tetris, they know that feeling of like waiting for the line. No, of course. But it was too specific and it was off track. So boom, that was eliminated. Uh-huh. <laughs> It's great. It's got all the pieces to it. And the- I tried to incorporate the song too. I was like, da, 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 da. This is a funeral song. <laughs> <laughs> we played it when my mother died. <laughs> Just like, even the song is not that happy. Yeah. That's really funny. I forgot there was One of the few song. accents I could pull off. I had to like study. I was like, yeah, it needs to be an accent and I'm yeah. not an accent person, but Russian I can do now because yeah, of that yeah. joke. Right, right. So. Also, you didn't have to do that much of it. Blocks. <laughs> you know, like if you want to do British, you have to be like, hello, Gavna. Like, there's oh, like those touchstones. There's a touchstone. Yeah. For me, blocks is such a good touchstone that like, blocks. it also <laughs> helps me to do the rest of that joke. When I go blocks yeah. and you just lose control of your mouth. Yeah. Every other joke, you just keep your mouth <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> so what your YouTube instructional video said, don't control your mouth at all. If you blocks. want to do Russian, don't leave Organized blocks. Your mouth must flop down yeah. in front of face like tutu. Yeah, and it's such a great because we have so few tools as stand-up comics. So like yeah. having that deep voice of the Russian, it's so easy to put contrast between me and him and make it clear who's talking. For sure. And the funny thing is with describing Mario, it used to be even longer because I thought it could be one of those, you know, those jokes where if you go really long, the audience is like, wow, he memorized a lot. I have to clap. <laughs> so I thought I could get one of those. And it was just too long. The audience was just like, oh, we got it. Yeah. Uh, and then the lie, there's one lie in that joke. And it's, it's interesting because I had to come to terms with it because uh, he goes, uh, you get on a dinosaur, saves the princess, defeats a dragon. Uh-huh. Bowser's not a dragon. He shoots fire and he's like a reptile, but he, he's not a dragon. He's a turtle. You are such a delightful geek. That is so great. But, You're just like, I couldn't deal with this. Yeah. And I understand I'm the same well, way. No, I, I reached like- a point where I said, you have a choice. You either be truthful or make it a little bit funnier because dragon is a funnier word, right. like that guh, mm-hmm. a dragon. Mm-hmm. But also, I've already said turtle once. So if you say another turtle, which I tried saying that, defeat a turtle shooting fire takes too long to say. Other turtle can, so one fails compression, mm-hmm. other turtle fa- fails clarity and contrast because I already said turtle. So unfortunately, in that case, 
I allowed myself to be like slightly less truthful, but a confusing a fire shooting turtle with a dragon, I think is okay. When you're working on this, are you sitting down in a coffee shop going dragon, turtle, like, or, or is this happening on stage? What, what is this process? Well, so you realize that that's the joke, right? So I walk off stage at a certain point being like, the joke is a really long specific rant about Japan. It's going to end with blocks, organized blocks. Then the homework assignment, right? So I'm on stage and I go, oh, I know what the homework assignment is. It's going to be, what is the funniest, most interesting way to describe Super Mario? Like Italian plumber yeah. goes to a kingdom. So that gives you mushroom kingdom and it gives you the castle vibe. Goes to a kingdom, eats mushrooms, which has lots of connotations. And it, the idea is if you really break apart that description, it's really making fun of every way Mario is weird. Yeah. There's a part about touching stars because that's you shouldn't touch a star ever. So like there's certain ones that had to go because of the length restriction, but like gets on a dinosaur, yeah. like Yoshi, what Yoshi. the fuck yeah. is Yoshi? <laughs> yeah. Saves a princess and defeats, like it's every, oh, crushes a turtle. That one came, I stole from myself. Cause I used to have a joke about PETA was protesting Mario cause he wore a raccoon suit. And so I was like, PETA, he's been crushing turtles for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> and so I already had, I already knew the phrase crushing turtles was funny. Crushing turtles. And so since that joke was out of my act, it didn't stay. I could use the crushing turtles discovery that I had already made and put it in a new joke. So I was like, crushing turtles has got to be in there. Cause that's horrifying. <laughs> what did that turtle ever do to you? <laughs> so that had to be in there. So there's a little joke inside of a joke oh. and that, that's the homework. That's where you sit like at a, a computer Russian doll joke. You sit at a <laughs> computer and you come up with every single thing you want to talk about with Mario and then figure out which are the ones that are going to say. That's cool. Okay. And crushing. Oh, that's the best word for that. Smashing turtles isn't as funny as crushing turtles. <laughs> Cause it doesn't have the. Cr yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even stamping on a turtle is not as funny as crushing the stamping turtle. Stamping on a turtle. Stampy might survive. Crushy's not surviving. And that's the part, too, where it's like when people are like, I, I, I do write on stage, yeah. but at a certain micro level, you kind of have to look at it. Yeah, And yeah, be like, is totally. it crushing or stamping? You're not doing that in your head in real time. Yeah, no. You got to, like, really look at it and make a decision. Be like, it's crushing. That's got to be the word. And then you, but you never go, I'm sure. That's the other thing is. It sounds really obvious now to be like crushing is the funniest word because of the consonants and because of its meaning as compared to like smashing or stamping. Even though you can be pretty sure that that crushing is the funniest word, it didn't mean that I didn't try every other variation just to see. Because sometimes you're wrong and the audience is like, no, actually smashing is funnier, whatever it is. When you're testing, are you like rigorous about uh, holding everything else constant in that scientific way? But that kind of thing, it's just like you can tell by the end, of, by the time you get to blocks, what it either paid off or didn't. So if I change something after the word blocks, it wouldn't affect the experiment of changing, smashing, crushing, whatever. Well, after that laugh happens or doesn't happen, I can continue experiencing, experimenting with the next part. Uh -huh. If I was doing the lightning Roy part, there's multiple parts, but if, once I'm within the seven, you don't want to change too many of them at a time because then you won't know which is the one, but you kind of know, like you do the first strike. If it doesn't get a laugh, then that was the wrong example to use for the first strike. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter what happens in the rest of the joke. You could do another, another new thing too. Got it. So you don't control that much. It's more just like, where does this come You control for that specific laugh. Uh-huh. But it would be silly to like say that if I'm doing the entire lightning bit, which is two minutes and almost three minutes long, that I can only change one detail. I can probably oh. change two or three and still have it. good data. I got it. So you have like signposts, basically. Exactly. And you go, oh, okay, past this point, then I can I change. can try a new joke. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Got it. Come on. Let's talk about sex. All right. So this next one is dead dog. Yeah. Uh, the audio is a little rough, but it's so worth playing. 
I, uh, I've been single for a while. I'm in my 30s. When you're single in your 20s, you're like, you haven't found the right person. When you're single in your 30s, they're like, you're not a right person. It's you. Talking about very microscopic changes, uh-huh. there's a big laugh differential between saying you're not the right person and a right person. I love a right person. A right person is very funny. Uh-huh. The right person is like, eh. Yeah, you just change the language just a little bit and it makes it completely different. Huge difference. And yeah. something I just figure out through those little changes. Right. You're not the right person is like a statement. You're not a right person. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. 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 It yeah. means a lot different. Yeah, it's yeah. really different. <laughs> Um, it's it's sort of like saying to somebody, have a nice day versus saying to someone, have a nice life. Right. Like, yeah. So different. Yeah. Or I yeah. tried to write a joke about the difference between saying who's your daddy and who's your father. <laughs> That's a big difference. <laughs> Dimitri Martin does a lot of stuff like that. Like you can say I like kids, but you can't say like specific age. Like I like eight year olds. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's such a difference. Hundred percent. Or I I'm bad at outside or I'm bad at going outside. Yeah. yeah. I'm outside bad at going is outside so is much typical. Funnier. I'm bad at outside in general is a funny idea. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> When you're single in your 30s, they're like, you're not a right person. It's you. I'm at the point where I'm ready to just give up and get a dog. Has anybody reached that point? I like to get a dog. I just want to become one of those like overly passionate dog people. I'm sure there's a few of you here. Right? And you're just like, the dog is my baby. This dog is my baby. The dog is not a baby. But when a baby dies, you can't just like bury it in the backyard and not tell anybody. Okay, so again, your structure here, a dog is not a baby. A dog is not a baby. Yeah. Right? Like Almost you, Chris Rocky into a degree where you repeat yeah. this thesis. But it works, though. It's, it's not just a thesis repetition. It's also rule of three. It's built in with it. Like, and clarity, most, most importantly. Like, let me let you know what I'm talking about. I screwed that up. It's my dog is my baby. My dog is my baby. Your dog is not your baby. <laughs> right, that's three. That's yeah. the three. And it's here's the pattern, break the pattern. So quickly, even just in the setup of the premise, as opposed to people say your dog is their baby. Their dog is not their baby. That's not nearly as funny. And it isn't going to get even those that smattering of laughter that you get from that as my dog is my baby. My dog is my baby. Your dog is not your baby. Right. It's a rhythm thing. And it's, uh-huh. it's so great. I'm usually talking to somebody in the audience because there'll be one pop where I'm like, people are like, oh, this dog is my baby. This dog is my baby. And then you have some girl like, woo. And I'm like, I, and I'm to, to her oh. like, a dog is not, I'm, t- I'm talking to that person. And the uh-huh. audience sees my eyes. And so it's me in a way, it almost sounds like I'm coming up with the joke on the cuff. Like I'm trying to prove her wrong. And it almost sounds spontaneous. Like a dog is not a baby. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you can't just bury it in the backyard and not tell anybody. Right. Like it sounds much better. It sounds almost more spontaneous because I'm talking to the girl and trying to disprove her. So you're searching for that reaction. Oh, yeah. If I can uh, get that, it's so much stronger. Oh, so cool. <laughs> All right. <laughs> when a baby dies, you can't just like bury it in the backyard and not tell anybody. Like that's, that's a pretty big difference. Often described as a law. So long to get that line. That was the hardest part of the joke. Because yeah. I thought it was funny this idea that when the when a baby dies, you don't replace the baby. Yeah. When a dog dies, we were like, we got your new dog. And that was a microscopic, like, don't worry about it. We got you a new baby. It used to be, yeah. we're gonna get you a new baby. Uh-huh. And that's not funny. We got, we already did it. The baby's yeah, been yeah. dead for like two seconds. We already got it. You want <laughs> without asking you? That's the funny idea. It took me like a year like it took so really? long i tried every 
freaking variation of that. And there was a period where I cut that part out of the joke. I was just like, fuck it. That part is yeah. just not going to be in the joke. And then thank God I was just like riffing around it. I was like, let's just say it in a weird way. And I said, we already got it for you. Yeah. And then, and then it got the laugh that I, I knew I needed. Also, you have a baby and it dies. Your friends would immediately call you up. Like, don't worry about it. We got you a new baby. <laughs> There's an alternate to that joke where I go, I take it to the veterinarian. I go, what do you do with a dead dog? And they go, no returns. (laughs) And so I played with which is the funnier guy or trying to do both of those things. Mm -hmm. And there's so much... When you talk about like compression, there's such a weird other story that I'm not telling you based on that. We're like, why is he calling his dad about dead dog? Yeah. He's a serial killer. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm sitting there like, I, I don't know if I got the joke entirely. I, I was like, but it, that's the joke. Right. Okay. Yeah. The joke I is like, what's up? Because I say I, I had a weird childhood. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. What are you, the dead dog? He's like, really? This question again? <laughs> And with that joke, by the way, uh, I had a comic who said, you know, if it's 20 blocks away, it's probably three stops. And I was like, you're right. It depends on, I mean, it depends where you are, but okay. So I tried three and that was another example where four has an F sound in it. Four is definitely funnier than three. Uh So even if three is truer, Four is the right answer there. <laughs> if what you're doing when you go to a comedy show is you are fact checking the comedian, you are doing comedy wrong, not the comedian. I want you to fact check yeah. the big things. Like yeah. Lightning Roy really did get hit seven yes. times yeah. and like, like but, where he's from, what year, all that stuff is real. But did that But that kind of thing it, where it's like it, what are you doing? Yeah. You're just like, well, I live by being right. Yeah, right? Yeah. And I don't understand how you don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to get to the governor bit where I talk about who wrote the constitution okay. and it's incredible how many people will be like, no, you're wrong. And I'm like, no, no, I'm, no, no I'm I not. did all the research. Yeah. No, I, I did it. Yeah. yeah. Let's save it. Save uh-huh. it. Save it. Your veterinarian is like 20 blocks from my apartment. <laughs> See, I'm going to put a dead dog in a backpack and get on the subway for four stops. There's a sign. If you see something, say something. Dead dog in a backpack. <laughs> So the interesting thing about that joke, because I remember when I was, when it was like Dane Cook versus Daniel Tosh in college, there were people who were like Dane Cook people and people who were Daniel Tosh people. I remember reading a review of Daniel Tosh and they said his jokes are like Rubik's cubes. They keep spinning. They keep clicking around and around and around. And so I always love that idea of a joke constantly spinning on its own axis. So that joke should end there. He goes, you should never have a dead dog in a backpack. And for anybody else, you would think the joke would end there. And this is where I think it's, this is a third level push. Other stuff in that joke, I think, is third level. But this is a push where I want you to think that any other comic would have ended the joke there, but I'm going to push it one more time. 
So that's what's going to happen here. Real quick, just I just have this image in my head of you walking down. The backpack is partially open. The paws are flopping. I go like this. They can't see it. You can't see it. But when I say it, I literally stick my elbow out with my right hand, which is my non-dominant, and I put it on a weird angle. So they're picturing that paw just like sticking out of the backpack. (laughs) That visual really sells it. And and then also like just somebody. Oh my God, can I pet your dog? Uh. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's not friendly. And I turn my jokes into magic tricks so that's where all my magic tricks come from is i do the joke and then it like sort of oh, turns cool. into a trick oh, so i've cool. been developing a dead dog trick where there's literally a posting it of a backpack <laughs> and i've been talking to that girl like you know the dog is your baby and yeah. I, so i say what is the name of your dog and whatever they say at the very end when i take the stuffed dog out of the backpack yeah. on the name tag engraved is the name of the dog that the random person said oh my god so there's a trick to it that's how Whoa. all my that's how my magic side of the brain works Okay. There's a sign. You see something, say something. Definitely a backpack. Definitely a something. You see a paw sitting up a chance for it. You paw somebody. You should never have a dead dog in a backpack. Well, if you do, put random things in the backpack. This way, the object you get mug you end that mugger's career. Just ruin his life with an unsolvable mystery. It's like, give me your backpack. You're like, no. That was when we're talking about homework assignments. So you get to the point where you go, okay, this is a fun joke. It's about putting the weirdest things in the backpack that make no sense. And you go, oh, fuck. Now I have a homework assignment, which is what are those objects? What are the best objects to sell that joke? And then there's a second version, which is like dildo was the funniest thing to put with a dead dog. It's like, what is he doing? Why Why is a dildo and a dead dog in the same backpack? (laughs) But on some shows, you can't say dildo. So in a weird way, forcing yourself to be clean sometimes really pushes your brain out of the dildo is easy. Yeah. Four clown noses is very clean and the weirdest thing. <laughs> yeah, super Four of them. Strange. Yeah. Because it's not just for you. That means you have three buddies <laughs> that are also clowns. Yeah. Four is too many. Like two clown noses is not funny. Four is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So I forced myself to say four clown noses. And so then it was like a dead dog, four clown noses. And then the ace of spades is like just one playing card. It's about finding the objects that are completely out of their natural realm. <laughs> and that when you jam them together, there is no possible story. Yeah. Cause if you say like a dead dog and half a Kit Kat, you could almost build a story that the dog ate the chocolate and died of cause they can't eat chocolate. Yeah. I don't want you to ever be able to write a story with those items. <laughs> or if you do write a story, it's fucking weird it's the most disturbing thing you've ever written Mm -hmm. so a dildo four clown noses a dead dog a dildo four clown noses and the ace of spades i i would love to see your story yeah it's it's built to be impossible to write a coherent story but that took months of every object i had a ukulele an empty guitar case i have a list of objects yeah of that could be weird and it just some th- those were the ones that hit the best. By the way, that is, I just would love to have somebody just find your joke notebook and it just says list of things to put in backpack with dead dog. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna try to Google because I also put a lot of my notes on my on Evernote. So if I yeah, search for note clown noses, I wonder if it brings up. Oh, there we go. So here's the list. So it just says dead dog clean. So that was my note to myself. Like this is going to be the clean version because uh, <laughs> dead dog is fine. And ace of spades is fine. But so, so originally the rhythm was a dead dog, a blank, 
and the ace of spades. And so what I have, I started deleting some of them, <sighs> but I have a clown nose, four clown noses, <laughs> which I put stars next to because that hit. Yeah. And a training bra. That was another one. <laughs> I <laughs> like a that training one. bra. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Why do I have one of those? And what does it have to do with a dead dog? <laughs> Who is this man? <laughs> so like there are, there are a lot. And, but that one doesn't hit because I think it takes your brain to the wrong space. Because they're trying to solve an equation. They're trying to solve that mystery. Like, yeah, yeah. Why? Four clown noses is just what, a weird why thing. Why the bra? Is there a sexual thing? I a don't training know. bra? Oh, yeah, God. Yeah. Is it a young girl? Yeah, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> it's really... too dark. A four... It, it can't the the assumption can't be something illegal. Yeah, illegal. Like yeah. the four clown noses, the ace of spades, the dildo, and the dead dog. I don't know how they combine, but it's not immediately a horrible crime. Yeah, it's just a really sad magic trick. You don't. Yeah, want, exactly. You don't want to go horrific. You yeah. want to go odd and potentially horrific, but not potentially directly. Horrific, not direct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Training yeah. bra and a dead dog is something very bad. Might yeah. Happen. I yeah. don't. That's not the joke for that. We've talked about this about because Jordan Peele is a comedian that made a great horror movie, and it's like horror and comedy are right on the cusp of each other. Structurally the same, right? Because yeah. it's all about surprise. surprise. The thing that scares you is like, ah! And not revealing the horror. And like, of course, comedians think in a way where they can disgust an audience at any moment. The but. only, the difference is with comedy, everything's okay at the end. And with horror, it's not. Maybe it's not okay at the end, though. I have this dead dog in a backpack. <laughs> Well, I mean, but I beat the mugger. But but ultimately, but everyone is safe, is what you're saying. Yes, yes. that's true. That's yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and but everyone's safe in the movie theater. Yeah, but it's like yeah, that's what, yeah, that's where you can enjoy that scare because yes. you know yeah. you're you're okay. Totally, mm-hmm. a haunted house is even better because it's right. like you're directly in it, but you know, yeah. you're going to be fine. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> it's a very bad haunted house. Nobody comes out actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, it's actually the best haunted house. No one's going yeah. out. Yeah, it's every, really haunted. In fact, you get to haunt it. Yeah. <laughs> it's called Governor. Yeah. Right. And Which I consider see, still in process. I think it's almost there, uh-huh. um, but I reserve the right to change it. <laughs> so if you see it on TV, it might be slightly different. I'm on Facebook a lot. I get into a lot of arguments on Facebook, political ones, you know. But now they argue about gun control. I'm in favor of gun control. Some people aren't. And they will inevitably bring up the Constitution, right? They're like, guns are in the Constitution. Constitution. And then they can't answer any questions about specific details about that document. Pause. How much truth do you need to put in? Yeah. It's as much as possible, but guns are not in the Constitution. They're in the Bill of Rights. The, the, the second amendment is what everyone's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That's not in the constitution. Right. So you can write a whole bit about how, like if you're saying, or if you say the phrase guns are in the constitution, you're kind of wrong. Like yeah. you're not, you're not exactly there. Um, and so that was originally in the bit and it just, just for clarity and compression and for contrast, it made sense to just be like, I'm just going to seed that. Yeah. If you know that great, but it's not important. It's to like the a battle you didn't need to pick. To I don't prove need to your fight this battle. Let's bigger. just yeah. give it to you. Guns are in the Constitution. Fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I like that. I like. That. <laughs> I love how specific you are, and like yeah. how, how you're just like you're like. Well, let's get our facts straight. And uh, <laughs> because it hurts me to not do that, I get yeah. it. I'm just I get like, it. oh, I just want to say it's in the Bill of Rights. And yeah, yeah, yeah. get that extra punch in there. But I yeah. love yeah. that you care. Like, there are a lot of comedians that don't give a shit about yeah, any of that. Yeah. And I love that you really care. That you want to get um, the facts right, and then play around with the facts that you have. Yeah. Um, and I, I was a history major. I love historical bits. Does this happen to you though? Do you go too far down the rabbit hole and you know too much? Is it? I, I've had that happen where I stop finding the funny in it because because well, yeah, then you realize the thing that's the funniest like the punchline 
it just doesn't even apply because he wasn't even born during that time or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think, I, I mean, I know too much about Governor Morris for sure. Yeah. And the, the, the bit was much longer. Cause I was like, I'm going to go through every part of his biography yeah. and the things that resonate the most are the parts that are going to keep, I'm going to keep and are going to last. Got it. So this to me is the boiled down version. I'm like, are there more interesting facts about Governor? Absolutely. Are they the funniest facts? No, these are the ones that are the ones that I can really drive home. And you make those choices. You wean or, or parse this out. Yeah. Just audience. You tell me. Let me go up in I, front of an audience and I'll say it. If it keeps not getting a laugh, it's got to go. Right. Got it. Then they can't answer any questions about specific details about that document. Even basic ones like who wrote the documents. Like, we're going to get that too. And if you didn't laugh right now, it's because you're like, oh shit, I'm like, oh, I didn't know. I went to Harvard and now I do this. So they pretty much cancel each other out, right? It's like being straight and being stuck with this voice. Let me beat myself up so you don't think I'm lecturing at you. Yes, I was going to say, you were like, I'm about to tell you a bunch of things like that I know, but before I do that, let me take myself down a few pegs. Yeah, because yeah. I went to. right into it. I was like, oh, it's you guys don't know move. who wrote the Constitution? Let me tell you. Yeah. The honesty and authenticity being like, I'm going to be honest, I also had to Google this also. Yeah. Puts, now we're on the same team. Right. Yeah. Right. I looked it up. The Constitution was written by five people. It was a constitutional committee of style. That was their real name. They had five people. Uh, Alexander Hamilton, James Madison, several people who weren't in the musical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Putting Hamilton first, though, so that you lay the trap, then take one more person away from it, yeah. and then you come back to Hamilton. Yeah. That's yes. the trap. Mm, yes. Oh, that's great. Like, if you would have flipped it around, it would have been Which I did. Really I used to say James, James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, a few people who weren't in the musical. So funny. Not enough. Uh-huh. You got to give it really misdirect. Like, oh, I guess he's not going to talk about Hamilton. Oh, no, just kidding, I am. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. <laughs> Several people who weren't in the musical. <laughs> Head of that committee was a man named Governor Morris. That was his real name, Governor. Not Governor, Governor. <laughs> he was elected senator, although I'm sure you pronounce it senator. Uh, <laughs> the senator Governor, who had dreams of being the presidente of the USA. <laughs> he had a peg leg. He was hit by a horse-drawn carriage and curious about that when did you put that together what was the so we're talking about like the factual thing and knowing too much he ran into the street and so there's no way he was gonna see like it was yeah. one of those things where like it wasn't like he was in the street waiting for it to hit him yeah. and just they didn't right so that's where you take a little bit of liberty of um but yeah i was just figuring out how do you express the not complicated point of being like we do use the system of horsepower it's like a very easy to hit on horse yeah because it's horsepower but how do you express it where you go like, well, when we're talking about actual horses, <laughs> like it's the unit, that's the unit. Yeah. So it was like coming up with that phrasing of it's one to two horsepower, depending on if there are one to two horses. So it just drives that thing right home. There's no processing time because I'm giving you, I'm processing it for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that wasn't always there. I went immediately to just like, cause I initially included governor. It was like the coach guy didn't see him. It's also, what's the name of the guy who drives a coach? Uh, a carriage. He's like the coachman, I believe. Like when you talk about Cinderella, they're the coachman. Mm-hmm. That's the right word, but most people don't know what the fuck that means. You'll hear me say it in a simpler way, even though there is a real word. And I know it, but I don't care. Right. I have to say the word that you guys know. Again, you come back to this processing power thing mm-hmm. where you're like, uh-oh, 
I'm demanding too much processing power for them. It doesn't serve the joke. There's got to be an easier, maybe less factually accurate or specific way to say it. I happen to know the actual word who gives a shit. It's right. not serving what I'm trying to do. It's here. like when I used to do a joke about the Guggenheim and I would just assume we all knew what the Guggenheim was. And mm-hmm. then the second I added the Guggenheim, you know, that modern art museum, boom, I, the last went up a thousand percent. Yeah. Oh God, I love this. I love this. Pro- I think it's my, my favorite thing for this whole episode is the processing power way of looking at it. Anything yeah. you, can, you can relate to a computer makes sense to me <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's cool we did have the three c's and resonance and i think that rhymed but sure processing pa- no, okay. <laughs> that was the takeaway <laughs> i'm gonna edit everything out it's just <laughs> that part That's the longest pause in the joke because I know it's going to take a while to process that pirate is pirate for some people. Right. So I have to give them the time to go, oh, pirate. Oh, because he's a peg leg. Oh, yeah. there's a lot of O's to get to the laugh. So yeah, I have yeah. to give them that pirate time. because time govern- that. governor. Digest that. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. There's so much going on that I got to give them time. <laughs> Most people laughing. Some people haven't processed that time. <laughs> and that poorly made peg leg fellow wrote the U.S. Constitution. He did. He wrote, we the people, that was the murder. He took a lot of the legal stuff out of the document so it was more readable. And then several years after the Constitution was ratified, his crowded achievements, he had a urinary blockage. He had trouble peeing. So he took a whale bone, which had bristles on the end, he shoved it in his dick, he pulled it out real fast, he bled out of his penis till he died. And some were like, why would you interrupt a comedy show with a graphic and violent historical story? The answer, so the next time some idiot tells me she have guns because it's in the Constitution, remind them that the people who wrote it didn't always have the best ideas. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. The main guy bled out of his dick till he died. Why do we know that? The only people who knew that were his closest friends and family. They could have said that for causes, but at least one of them was like, oh no, I'm Awesome. Oh, thanks. I loved it. Loved it. At that point where I've reiterated the blood dick so many times that like, I do hope it's an escalator joke for them. Like that idea of like, anytime they hear guns, they go, blood dick Werner. <laughs> and it becomes like a reflex. So at that point I've just drilled it into them. This is the facts. After I did lightning Roy, I knew I was going to get that on Conan. Cause they, I was working on that set. That was me being like, is there another guy? <laughs> is there another thing that like it? Like, is there another weird historical story? Maybe this is my thing. Just the way, like, I'm sure Gaffigan at the beginning was like, is there another food I could talk about? <laughs> so it came from that, like, I was just searching. And then as soon as I saw that guy, he, like, lit up to me. I was like, this is like Lightning Royal over again in the sense, you know, that this is a weird story that yeah. nobody knows. And I really want to try to get in there and see if I can make it funny at every 20 seconds or every 10 seconds. And you do. That is just so dense. It's so full. It's a lot to communicate. You have a lot of setup to do here. Mm-hmm. And even in the setup of who is this person, why are we talking about this person? And all of that is nested within a gun control joke. 
Right. Um, Which you hopefully have forgotten about (laughs) by the time you get there. So when that comes in and you go, oh my, that's that's what he was trying to do. I love that full circle punchline. Yes. I love nested jokes. I love those, those jokes that go where we start here and then we just move in a level and in a level, in a level. And then we work our way back out all the way back. I love. And that's why I can't eat peanuts again. Or like whatever it is. (laughs) Ah, that's the best. Come on, let's talk about sex. And a big thanks to our guest, Harrison Greenbaum. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. It, I'm glad it was coming. fun for you, at least. So, hey, the- oh, oh, I see what you did there. Oh, hey. Joke theory. <laughs> Harrison, you've got some upcoming gigs. Let's hear about them. Uh, so, I'm going to be going on the road. I'm bringing my Comedy Plus Magic show. It's stand up and it's magic, uh, 75 minutes. And it's going to be in Boca, my first time doing my full theater show in Florida. It's Boca from the, on the February 15th and 16th mm-hmm. at the Meisner Park Cultural Center. There are tickets still available through their website. I'm in Philly at Smoke and Mirrors Theater, which is actually more of a magic theater. Um, that's right outside of Philly in Huntington Valley. That's February 8th and 9th. I am regularly, when I'm in New York, at all the clubs, uh, including the Comedy Cellar. And that is all on my website, harrisongreenbaum.com. You just click tour dates or you just follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Harrison Comedy. And I uh, plug those as much as I can. Okay, great. And as always, the links to all of this will be in the show notes. And of course, a big special thanks to Emo Phillips. For, yeah, Emo Phillips. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. what an incredible joke writer. Yeah. <laughs> like really, it's, yeah. a, it's crazy. I love his voice. So. Yeah, it's such a, so, such a singular, bizarre, yeah. 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 Uh, and um, as you said, you can follow our guest. That's on Instagram, Harrison Comedy. Uh, Twitter, Harrison Comedy. On Facebook, you have a fan page. Yes, it's just facebook.com slash Harrison Greenbaum. Okay, great. And then your website, and that's harrisongreenbaum.com. Yes. And um, you have a magic website as well. That's Harrison Magic, correct? Dot com, mm-hmm. yeah. And I also own Maybe Comedy Central will book me if this is my website, dot com. <laughs> <laughs> that redirects to harrisongreenbaum.com. <laughs> And then, of course, our plugs. So head on over to BrickspotComedy.com to see our live shows that we have over at the B-Spot Organic Mm -hmm. in the East Village of Manhattan. And it's super, super fun. Harrison was just on recently. Yeah, so fun. I was out of town, but I heard you destroyed it. It was a fun room. Yeah, yeah, it's super fun. And then, of course, if you want to support the show, we will take your support. You can uh, send us gifts. You can send us. Thank you for the Venmos, by the way. Uh, You guys have been Venmoing. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. It's like five bucks here and there. It's very nice. Love you. Thank you so much. Thank you for thanking us in a way that actually matters a lot. So you can, if you want to provide us monthly tips you can do that through patreon that's patreon.com forward slash let's talk about sets you can also send money to me at jeff at let's talk about sets.com that's that's my paypal get with the venmo dude harrison hyphen tweed yeah you get can it. waste <laughs> your money and or send if you money. accidentally send it to oh, harrison it is not going to waste. Yeah. yeah yeah you can send it to harrison greenbaum <laughs> yeah. um, or no, can, send it to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You can also send it to me via Venmo. That's Jeff-McBride. Hell yeah, Venmo is bummed. And if you want to find out more about our guest, head on over to Let's Talk About Sets.com and check out our yeah. show. And if you're notes. a magician, it's not this Jeff McBride. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that Jeff McBride is an evil demon from another dimension. <laughs> and nobody <laughs> believes me, but I know I'm the only one. <laughs> only Full one. circle, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> <Got my. laughs> there you go. <laughs> 
<laughs> you can uh, check out our other episodes. They're organized by theme and by the comedians that we have discussed. You can get our episodes automatically, of course, by subscribing. If you don't know how all of that works, my God, where the hell have you been? And then, as always, thank you so much, Salt and Peppa, for all of the dare so hot lack of legal action so, they've taken against yeah, yeah, us yeah. for the un- really? utterly unrecognizable parody they yeah, yeah, yeah. for that song. Thanks a lot. Sets. Let's talk about sets. Let's talk about sets. Let's talk about sets.